Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a special Halloween edition of Tunnel Vision. I'm your USC head coach, Lincoln Riley, uh, also known <laughs> as your host, Jack Smith, joined in the studio by Ryan Abraham and Chris Trevino. We got our Halloween costumes on. It's a day before Halloween. USC coming off the uh, coming off the heels of a big win out in Arizona, 45-37. to 37. Chris went, Ryan and I stayed here in Los Angeles, but we're going to break down uh, the show and or break down the game and, and kind of bring you guys through our special spooky Halloween show. Uh, but thank you guys for tuning in on all of the platforms. Leave your comments uh, in the chat. As always, we can put them on the screen and make sure you guys are calling in uh, for live callers. But guys, Halloween, USC won 45 to 37. How's it going? It's pretty good. And everyone out there, we're live on YouTube and we should be live on Twitter. Uh, we're still working on getting the Facebook feedback. So sorry about that. And we will be taking live calls. 5124-TUNNEL is the number. If you want to call in, uh, we'd love to take your call. Uh, we got some costumes, as you know. Jack Jack is a dead ringer for Lincoln Riley. Illegitimate son. Illegitimate son. Illegitimate son. Yeah, uh, he's too young to have a son as old as Jack, I think. But did everyone know what Chris is? Think you know WWF back in the day. You want to give him the the, the oh, line? Oh, you want me to? Do, okay. I want to do yeah. Oh yeah, it's Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> I'm coming for you, Hulk Hogan. <laughs> And that's all I got. My voice is shot from the Arizona desert. We might need to fix your mic there a little bit. Yeah. Get it closer to your mouth. But, uh, and mine's older. Now, Jack didn't know this one. So put in the comments if you know who I am. Yeah. So we got Daniel got it. Um, yes. It's from 1981, a TV show called The Greatest American Hero. It was a great one. It was like this awkward um, hero, Greatest American Hero. I'll, I'll, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. You don't know what it Someone is. Someone asked but. if you're dressed as a ute. Which I, you, I, I like that. Uh, I have no idea. This was like the alien thing, but he was like flying around. He would like try to save people, but he wasn't very good at flying. So he could fly, but he just wasn't that good at it. He would crash into trees and things like that. But it was good. But yeah, we had a great show. Get to talk about a win. It was, you know, had the, the Utah loss. Bounced back. He had two weeks to kind of sit on it. Just let it simmer. Lincoln Riley didn't seem very happy about it. He wanted to get out there and play right away. They go out to the desert. Second straight road game. Whole bunch of dudes out. Two best wide receivers out. Didn't expect to see Mario Williams not in there. Your best offensive lineman out. Your best defensive player maybe out. Eric Gentry. Crazy stuff. And uh, USC comes away with a 45-37 victory over the uh, Spunky. 
Arizona Wildcats. So I think it was good. I think you needed to get that road win. Lincoln Riley talked about how hard it is to win on the road. He's very proud of this win, as proud as any of the other wins. They're 7-1 and one right now. Jack was pointing out earlier, don't have to leave Los Angeles for the rest of uh, – you can take a drive. You can Uber to the rest of USC games if you're somewhere here in uh, SoCal. So that's nice. You don't have to do any more of these road trips and stuff. And, of course, going over to Pasadena, that's like USC's second home. So being at 7-1, and one, I know there's a lot of fans that are sort of upset. They don't like the way the defense is playing. They shouldn't run the ball more. Whatever it is, all the injuries, things like that. Looking at it now is like, hey, if you thought going into the season, Chris, 7-1, and one, you're going to get to play a terrible Cal team and a terrible Colorado team before you get the rivalry games? Like, that's a that's pretty good. I think he would sign up for that after going four and eight last year. For starters, I'm just going to take this off. Okay. It's, uh, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to do this the entire. You don't hold this. I, I want to hold that the entire night. So let me just get reset right here. But he absolutely should be proud of this win, and you know the context of everything around this game with all the injuries. You know, both teams coming off bye week. I said multiple times that Arizona is a scrappy oh, team, yeah. and it, it it should have been, you know, a a fight. It was going to be a fight in Arizona Stadium, and with all those guys out. I mean, if you're kind of like thinking about it, like you're complaining about it, and like in that sense, think about what this team would have done with all those players out like a season ago. Yeah, it would have been ugly. It would have been bad. This team at least fought and fought back and likes playing on the road. And really embraced everything that happened uh, in that game, good or bad or atrocious, specifically at the end of half, uh, the first half. <laughs> they embraced all of that and they came out and they punched and they scrapped and they took punches. But in the end, when the dust settled, they won. And that's what's most important. A win is a win is a win. And Lincoln Riley absolutely should be proud of the way this team played and the, the resiliency of that of that of those Trojans. And you know. It was a fun game to cover. It was a wild game to cover. So much was going on. So much, so many players were out. And just, you know, pregame was just the most I've ever had to tweet continuously. Like, oh, this person's out. Oh, this person's out. Oh, this person's out. So, you know, go even going into it, it was going to be, I didn't I didn't know what was going to happen. You're down your two best receivers. You're using a bunch of guys that haven't really had to step up into that moment. And you're down your best offensive lineman. Mason Murphy's getting a start. You're kicking Jonah Monheim in, inside to a position he hasn't really played. You lose your left tackle in the second half. Eric Gentry is out, and that was something we we anticipated. But you know, to to come up with all those question marks for this team going into that kickoff and to come out with the W is massive. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, what do you want to do, Jack? Do you want to like just call him Lincoln the whole time? Lincoln. That's uh, that's Coach Riley to you. Um, oh. I'm going to make you run now. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I think starting with the – just kind of going through the timeline of the game, obviously you guys mentioned pregame. We expected guys like Jordan Addison, Eric Gentry to not play, not really expecting Andrew Voorhees, and then definitely not expecting Mario Williams to not play for the Trojans. Uh, let's start with early in, in, the, in the first half, USC playing without all those guys. We finally realize Mario Williams isn't on the field. You're seeing all these different receivers playing, and it's a lot of dink and dunk until you get that deep ball to Taj Washington. Uh, maybe we just start with the first couple drives where USC – uh, they're really just checking down uh, all the way down the field screens and short passes, running the ball, and then that, that huge uh, one-handed touchdown catch for Dorian Singer. That's kind of how the game started off, and you kind of started to get the feeling this might be a game with all the guys USC has out, and if the Arizona wide receivers are going to keep making great plays like that. I, not having Mario in there, I just uh, real quick, you were there. 
the broadcast team didn't realize. They were like, he's not playing. And they're like, I think he played early on. Like, they still in like the second quarter, they were bringing up. I think he played early on and he hasn't played. Like, no one knew that that wasn't going to happen. Lincoln Riley afterwards said that he tweaked something in pregame or whatever. Um, but that was weird. Like, even watching the game on TV, the, they not, no one really knew, like, what was going on with Mario Williams. Yeah, and I know there's a lot of talk on Twitter about it possibly being, you know, is, is this like a suspension? Is this like a one-half suspension? You know, that kind of deal. No, it was physical. I wrote about it in my game day in Ghost Notes, some observations that I saw about it on the sideline. I was witnessing it. You know, something was up with Mario Williams. He was talking to the trainers. You know, they were kind of walking through, working through something. He had tweaked something, as Lincoln Riley had said, and he was trying to, you know, it seemed like he really wanted to play. He was trying to convince them to you know, let him proceed with warm-ups, but they were being ultra-cautious yeah. with him and that kind of... So from that tone on, you know, I was like, is he going to play maybe like very limited snaps? Or I did not expect it, not at all. So that was definitely a blow for the offense that was already down Jordan Addison. But to your point, uh, Lincoln, what <laughs> you, you know, kind of, you know, putting the ball in space, you know, kind of those quick passes on the outside, I think it was just simply get those guys comfortable, you know, get them in a rhythm. This is a road game. You don't have Jordan Addison. You don't have Mario Williams. And just get them in a rhythm. Get them comfortable. They're going to be playing a lot of snaps. Uh, put the ball in their hands. Get them in space and, and let them, you know, have those kind of one-on-one matchups with with uh, the Arizona cornerbacks. And we know this Arizona defense has not been very good. So, you know, I think that's a matchup USC fans and USC staff loved seeing, you know, putting, putting the ball in space and letting them work. But I did notice this. It seemed like the deep ball wasn't really consistent and on the mark for Caleb Williams and this batch of receivers. It just seems like he's so much more comfortable. It doesn't seem he is much more comfortable throwing deep balls to a Jordan Addison, to a Mario Williams, and he just doesn't have that deep ball chemistry with, you know, Brendan Rice or Taj Washington. It's, it's coming there with Taj, but, you know, Kyle Ford, Michael Jackson, those guys, it's just not as clicky as the, the other two. So I think they were... You know, they wanted to try to get that going, but it just wasn't working all the way. So I think that it, it was a good decision to kind of, you know, make them short, dink and dunk it, make those short intermediate passes and let those guys, you know, get those yards after catch and, and win those one-on-one matchups. Yeah, I, I was impressed with the way they used all the USC wide receivers when you're coming out. I mean, for Caleb Williams to have his career day, you know, 411 yards, five touchdowns, 10 touchdowns over the road trip, the, the two games without your two biggest targets, like how is something like that going to happen? I mean, obviously that means you got a lot of good backups and it also means you have a, a good system because if this was something, you know, if this was last year, like that, that wouldn't happen. Like you're, you lost your top two wide receivers. If Drake London was, when Drake London goes out of the game, those were your one receiver. Well, like we saw what the whole offense like. went to nothing. So um, pretty impressive that he was able to put up those kind of numbers on the road with the backup receivers. And, you know, my guy Kyle Ford, huge day, over 100 yards, had that touchdown at 70-yarder. Tosh Washington, man, he just has been uh, making some great plays. And, you know, they, it just shows how poorly he was utilized last year, I think, more than anything. Um, but, you know, getting Michael Jackson involved or, or Kyron Hudson and, uh, you know, Brendan Rice with his first, you know, career touchdown. A lot of firsts. Um, you know, Mason Murphy makes his first start. It wasn't just that Voorhees was out. They had to shift the whole offensive line, too. So all of that kind of adversity and things he had to overcome, and Caleb Williams has his career day, that was impressive to me. So, yeah, that's when things got going, you sort of looked like, okay, the offense is going to work. Like, you were worried maybe it's not going to be going, but, Jack, early on in the game, you're like, oh, it looks like it's still going, even without Addison and Williams. 
Yeah, and I mean, we've given credit to Caleb Williams for working with some of these second, third string wide receivers, but we've also highlighted for the majority of the year that if you're a, a you know a team that doesn't quite have the top end receiving talent that USC has, you'd take a lot of those second and third stringers as your first teamers. And I think a lot of them, as I mentioned to you before we started recording, is they all made plays like when they were called upon outside of a couple drops from Brendan Rice. Like I feel like there was no play that a wide receiver needed to make that they didn't. You had Kyron Hudson, obviously with a big first down, Michael Jackson, the one time they went to him, rushed the ball for 53 yards. He had Rice with a touchdown, uh, Kyle Ford with a touchdown, Taj Washington with a big day. Like I literally don't think that there was a single play that they needed a wide receiver to make that they didn't outside of you know a handful of, or you know a couple of drops. So I was really impressed with the way that the receivers played on top of the way that Caleb Williams was able to find them and get the, get the ball down the field without his two biggest weapons and two of the best weapons in the nation. The one of the someone tweeted out, I don't know who tweeted it, but they showed maybe Caleb Williams' best pass. Did you see this when he was rolling to his left the drop? And the drop by and and you're like, you look at it, it's like, oh, it was out of bounds or it was tipped or whatever. And when you watch the thing in slow motion, he's rolling to his left, throws an absolute dime, and I mean literally hit him right here in the whatever the logo is for the greatest American hero. Like it should have been a touchdown. On the like, money. On the like that was an amazing throw and like add that into his 411 yards or whatever but just pretty crazy but yeah he he made a lot of great throws in this one and you know for the most part like jack said i think the receivers you know did a nice job there's a couple that you know you would have wanted back but they, they made plenty of plenty of uh receptions and plenty of good plays for him and just to rehash something i said on our sort of airport podcast it boils down to three points for me it's just one Caleb williams really really talented yeah. can make uh can make plays with anyone out there. doesn't matter. Two, we talked about how deep and talented this wide receiver core is going into the season. Yeah, Mario Williams, Jordan Addison, the headliners, but, you know, Kyle Ford, former five-star, Brendan Rice, you know, that that bloodline, really good, wasn't utilized enough at Colorado. Taj Washington, former freshman All-American, so much talent with these guys, and to see it finally utilized was great. It was great to see. It's something that UC fans have been hoping for for so many years, just to Get somebody else involved. Rotate those guys in. How many times have we heard rotation, rotation, rotation? Right. This one was, we've seen it this season, but this was the full effect of that, of seeing guys have that confidence of playing and playing well and making plays. And the third point is coaching. You mentioned it with the Drake London last season. Goes down, can't throw the ball, can't move the ball. <laughs> Here, you lost your two best guys. Coach them up, get them ready. Get them, get them ready to make plays on the big stage in a big game. They did it, so... Props to the coaches, props to the players, props to Caleb Williams for making it work. It all gelled together. Yep. Thank you. I mean, we, we were really trying to get a lot of our, our depth receivers to to be ready. So I appreciate your your compliments on my oh, coaching. Oh, he's doing Lincoln. Uh, nice, yeah. nice. Hey, everyone, real quick, hit the subscribe button if you're on our YouTube channel. Hit the like button. Like this feed for sure. Share it with your friends. Uh, we love doing that. And if you want to call into the show, you can call 5124-TUNNEL. And leave us comments. We need some some questions to put up throughout the stream and let us know who you're going to be dressed as for Halloween because we want to know a couple more things from the first half before we get to the, I don't even know what to call it, at the end yeah. of the first half. Chris, you, you kind of got off the schneid a little bit with the predictions and the fans helped you out. We had a Relic Brown sighting and a Relic Brown touchdown that finally got the bold prediction hit for for, for you, Chris. So uh, how about seeing Relic in the game and then how did that feel from the sideline uh, watching it and breaking your... Your little tough streak on bull predictions. Over oh, twenty. Over oh, oh twenty, and <laughs> now I'm two for 25? thirty. Two for thirty. No, you're three. You got you got you were one for twenty five, right? And you got two more. Did I get two? What did I get? 
You got two last night, I think. Two. Two? Yeah, someone put it in the thread. You didn't, you didn't go oh, back and look at the thread. No, I never go back and look. Unless <laughs> I know. Unless I know. So, okay. I, I have to go back and look they at that. They gave you credit for two. Yeah. Okay, well, I'll go back can, and look. I can look. I but can look. it felt nice to, to snap that streak. And thank you to the fans. I, if you missed it, I put out a tweet about, I need help. I need help with the fifth pick. Let me know what, it, let me know what I should do. I got way more submissions than I thought I would get. And a bunch of people... One of the common themes was Relique Brown's going to score. Relique Brown's going to score. A lot of people were like, Relique Brown's going to score on special teams. He's going to take it to the house. So it doesn't even count like it was like a fan one? I mean, not that it doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> so you went over. <laughs> I can't find the thread. <laughs> Way to set me up to Sorry, fail man. on that. But yes, Relique Brown scored. I thought he was never seen for again. It was almost like Lincoln Riley read my predictions like, I got to throw him a bone here and... Got him scoring. It's like, all right, really, you're done. You're done. So that was weird. He just came in. It was like the touchdown. Hey, but specialist. he scored. But he scored. So he did. He did, uh, he did score there. I, I put in. So Chris was doing so bad. Both Jack and I put in some predictions too. I said they'd score under 49, 49 or under. I hit that one. I said Arizona would win the middle eight, and they did because of what we're going to talk about soon. <laughs> uh, but I'll find your. I'll find your threat. Where was it? Uh, don't read. Wait, Lincoln made predictions too? I did make predictions. I I, I knew that Brendan Rice was going to score a touchdown, so that is, I just kind of put that in there. Uh, but yeah, I think I think I only went one for five. 200 Obviously, yards rushing. 200 yards rushing. They rushed for 200 yards? Yeah, I think so. Right? USC didn't rush for 200 yards. There's no not. way. Oh, I guess if you got, yeah, the Michael Jackson it was, a, it was a run. Yeah, that so was a 53-yard 50 run. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think, uh, so Die went for 113. Caleb, I believe, rushed for... I think it was somewhere in the 20s because one of my I predictions. I forgot to get a stat book at the end of the game. I, didn't, I was down in the, the media room, so mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't grab one. Yeah, so you got 200 yards rushing and the Rayleigh Brown scores a TD. I got Addison and Gentry wouldn't play. Uh, USC scores 49 or under and then the middle eight. So I, I, my first attempt, I beat you. All yours are very negative. And, I did a lot and, of negative and, and a little bit easier. Would you think that was oh. easier? Uh, definitely the Addison and Gentry not playing okay. one. Arizona gave, well, okay, Arizona gave up. 49 points to Cal. That's and right. I predicted they would go, USC wouldn't score that many. Like, that I one think was that's bold. a pretty tough one. That know? one's pretty bold. Oh, bless you. Uh, I, I, USC I hit was the, way better at the middle eight than Arizona. I said Arizona would be better at the middle eight. Yeah. I hit the Brendan Rice touchdown. I miss on a couple. I mean, I had Mario Williams having, uh, like I think I said, over 150 yards and a touchdown, and, and he didn't end up playing. So Big uh, clearly I didn't have enough inside information, even though I'm dressed as USC head coach Lincoln Riley. But let's get into something that made USC head coach Lincoln Riley very upset towards the end of the first half. Just one of the weirdest officiating, clock operating blunders I think we've ever seen. USC's moving the ball down the field. They get a deep pass, I guess an intermediate pass to, to CJ Williams from Caleb Williams. Looks like he gets out of bounds. They, they rule that he didn't get out of bounds, so the clock is still running. USC throws the ball deep to Brendan Rice. He's down as a first down so the clock's supposed to stop. USC's trying to get on the ball to spike it. They're, it's going to be six seconds. The ref, before they can even spot the ball, the clock runs out of time. Arizona leaves the field. The refs all confer. And I think we were all expecting them to say, the, the clock started running before we spotted the ball. We will uh, the, the clock will resume on our signal. USC has, or please reset the clock to six seconds. And then USC would spike it, either go for it or kick a field goal, and that would be it. Instead, the ref said that's the end of the first half. Lincoln Riley went berserk, started yelling at the refs who, <laughs> if, you, if you follow Chris on Twitter, they kind of just ran away at the end of the half. And 
U.S. or Lincoln Riley admitted or said later that they admitted to their mistake, but just one of the weirdest sequences of events I've ever seen. And it's been a long time since I've seen something like that that just left me completely befuddled of, of how that happened on a football field. Yeah, I mean, it was from the home point of view when I was watching at home, you know, this was a, you know, this wasn't a judgment call. This was like just a, an egregious error. And when you have, when everyone I've heard talk about the game, this is the first thing they mention, And that's, uh, and I think the Pac-12 Studio Show actually did a pretty nice job. Uh, they were talking about, this is not what the Pac-12 needs. Like, you don't need this. Like, you don't need basically taking points away from USC because you screwed, the, the ref screwed up. You're like, a, you have at least a field goal shot. No, no, you don't anymore because of what the refs did. Uh, you know, Yogi Roth, Ted Robinson, like, they were befuddled. And then when they go to the studio show, they're like, what the heck was that? Everyone was saying that. Lincoln Riley like, came back from uh, a halftime, and Jordan uh, Jordan Moore does the radio interview. I listened on the radio, and he was like, did you get an explanation? He's like, nope. I mean, he was mad. Like, you know, um, Lincoln was saying he was yelling at – you were yelling at the refs. Uh, and it was crazy. And then just listening to, like, national – you know, if you – I listened to some national college football podcasts afterwards or commentary – from like the Pac-12 guys like Canzano and Wilner, and they're just absolutely crushing this. And it's sort of like, you know, on back-to-back -back weeks. Again, I don't think this is a conspiracy thing. I think it's just incompetency. There was a terrible call uh, that helped USC that, that turned a field goal into a touchdown. Um, so I think it's more just ref incompetency more than anything. I know a lot of USC fans said that's crap. I'm sorry. It's just I don't think they're good enough to be able to control a game. They're just really incompetent. But this one was just, it wasn't like, oh, we, we called targeting when it shouldn't have been or whatever, or we reviewed a play for five minutes that shouldn't have been reviewed at all. This was just completely like, we're starting the clock, but we're not letting you snap the ball. It was just, it was just like an official came in and tackled somebody. It would be like on the same wavelength. So it was just so dumb and so terrible, but so very Pac-12. Uh, Still waiting yeah. on that statement. Yeah, I don't know. We haven't got a statement yet. I think you will. Uh, Lincoln Riley said that um, afterwards, right, that, that, you know, they admitted that that was a, a mistake. And he was like, well, why didn't you review it? Like, you review everything. They review, you know, basic tackles and look at targeting or whatever. I don't know why they didn't stop it. That Maybe pressure. You talk about this, too. Arizona was like running off the field and they were just the like, yeah, one move you do just run off the field. We were just like, oh, we can't we can't do this. But yeah, no, that was, we're already in the locker room. We it was it was awful. I mean, it didn't change the outcome of the game. So I don't like the, the Utah stuff. I felt like changed the outcome of the game. But that's more of judgment calls. This is like a, just an absolute error of what you're supposed to be doing. I did want to throw out. Let's say they don't uh, uh, mess that up super bad. Do they go for the field goal or do they go for the f touchdown? So you got to spike it. You spike it. You have, what, four seconds? Probably four. Four yeah, or five seconds? Yeah, I think you could probably kick the field goal. Um, okay. I mean, he kicked, tried to kick a 56-yarder, which I didn't really um, – so I, you're probably in that one. Just he has the leg. I will make the argument that he has the leg. Dennis Lynch can bang it from 60-plus, but I don't know if he was nervous – it, or he just rushed it. He 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 almost false started where he took a step a little yeah. bit before the ball was snapped. So then he kind of had to, to wait back. And at that point, once the ball was snapped, his rhythm was completely off. Because I, I I was like, I'm kind of surprised they didn't throw any kind of flag on him false starting. And there's one of those things too, like 
if I can like, oh, there's this, you're playing golf in some terrible hole, and it's like you have like 250 yard carry. Like, yeah, I can carry that, but like when I know I have to carry it 250 yards, like I'm probably duffing it somewhere. Like, yeah, he can if it's a 46 yarder and it, he cleared it by 12 yards. Like, yeah, that's awesome. But now it's a 56 yarder. Like, I think it's a different story, you know. So I don't know. Like, I, I didn't agree with that one. Uh, I don't mind the uh, onside kick thing when you had the extra 15 yards and stuff like that. You know, whatever, take a shot. I have no issues with that. I'm not going to look at the results and say, well, you shouldn't have done this. Or but I didn't like the, you know, I didn't like not calling timeouts at the end of the uh, the Utah game. Didn't like kicking a 56-yard field goal. That didn't work out. Uh, didn't like, I mean, I, I was fine with the onside kick, and that didn't work out either. Just, I'm not worried about the results. I'm just, like, looking into it, like, why would you do that? And the 56-yard, I was just like, uh, it didn't, didn't make much sense to me. To answer your question, I think they would have kicked the field goal. I think it might have made more sense to go for it considering that you don't get in the red zone I guess if you're USC you do but most teams need to take advantage of the red zone possessions they're going to have and I guess it is kind of we know now that Dennis Lynch didn't have a great day but at that point he'd only missed the, the you know the 56 yarder so I think they would have lined up try to get him to jump get a little bit closer and if they didn't just take the field goal oh okay that, that, that could work Lincoln do you want to say anything to the Pac-12 right now oh I, I'll just say that but, I but before you do okay I'm gonna go ahead and I got your fine right here. Oh, thank you. I was, I was going to say. <laughs> I got your fine. <laughs> if you toss I, it to I got me, it. I can catch I got it. it. I don't want to show my nipples. <laughs> that is a 10K right there. Oh. This, this, this makes what that I have to say brand. a lot easier. You can't, uh, you can't see, but I'm winking at the camera. So uh, the floor is yours. You're fine in hand, as I tweeted out, that I would do. So I'm doing it for you right now. I was going to say that I was, I was proud of myself for not ripping into the refs a little bit more after in my post-game press conference. But now having the money here, it makes it a little bit easier. Oh, yeah, I, I was trying to show some restraint. I, I listened back to the Pac-12 uh, halftime show saying that they're they're proud and that, that I didn't swing. And you know, watching it my ba watching it back myself, I, I had to show some restraint. But I'll just say that was one of the worst pieces of officiating and clock operating I've ever seen. And as I put out on Twitter, or actually, sorry, as USC uh, Tunnel Vision host Jack Smith put out on Twitter, <laughs> one of the key reasons why uh, we will be leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten and we will not regret it. So uh, that's just uh, that's just all uh, all I have to say. Thank you for the money. I, I'm sure this will can eventually you, end up in the in the hands. Can you of the flash that bands to the camera? Here we go. Low, low, low. This is the money that the Pac-12 now owns. Come on, Lincoln. You got to flush it a little bit. Come on. You know what was funny? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come Wait, on. get a little. So if USC, they, if USC fans can remember back to like the Steve Sarkeesian days, uh, I forget. It might have been a Stanford game. I forget which game it was, but complaining, him complaining of the refs, and uh, Pat Hayden, the athletic director at the time, comes down on the field and is complaining of the refs. It became like a meme. It was just like this funny thing. Mike Bowden didn't come down on the field complaining of the refs. They did a little passive aggressive. He retweeted. Uh, I got the bone retweet. I got one. You got one. Uh, I had a LA Times, uh, I think Orange County Register. Like he retweeted a bunch of us. I think Stuart Cravens. He recruited re when anyone was saying like, "Holy cow, that was just terrible." Um, he was retweeting it all. So that was that was pretty funny. He even mentioned like I was listening to uh, like um, Pat Forty his podcast, and he he mentioned that you know that they were doing that. So it, it's kind of funny. Like national people were talking about like when they were talking about all the games. You're like, wow. Uh, Michigan State, Michigan, big brawl in the thing. Actually, four players just got suspended from that Michigan State oh, really? players. Um, you know, Tennessee thumping. Um, Kentucky. Kentucky. Uh, you know, Kansas State shutting out Oklahoma State. It's like kind of cool storylines. 
USC has this terrible, like the, the storyline about the USC Arizona game was this terrible, you know, call before half. So it's like, that's not what you want if you're the Pac-12. That's not what you want your game to be branded as. Like everyone just talking about that call and not like what happened on the field. But but my my point was on the airplane, airplane airport podcast, the silver lining, it was on Pac-12 Network. Yes. So nobody saw it really because I was communicating with our national desk and I was like, can you grab what happened at the end of half? They were like, <laughs> I don't have Pac-12 Network. What happened? <laughs> so it just kind of sums up everything so yeah. i laid it out and he was like on it so yeah wild nice. and i guess that's the bright side nobody yeah. really saw it mm-hmm. that's true the tree falling in the forest yes is, yeah mm. I, di- I didn't pull the mike bone retweet but i did put out a tweet at halftime kind of just a collection of things that were just really weird about the first half which in- included things from the broadcast they i don't know if you know this chris they interviewed rob gronkowski mid usc drive said nothing about the drive i think until usc scored a touchdown <laughs> and it was just like this it's, it's just so weird um and that tweet was was liked and retweeted by some interesting names like there are a couple people inside the usc building um they had matt barkley i think retweeted it it's kind of like if you need it if you need i think i pretty much said like if you need examples for why usc is leaving the pac-12 for the big 10 like tonight is the perfect case study yeah. it's, it's just i've never seen anything like the end of the first half and i mean props to usc for coming out and and not letting it kind of get them down for the rest of the game because they came out in the second half. The defense wasn't perfect, but they played a little bit more ferociously. Uh, the offense continued to click. I think something like that where it's just, if you're a player too, you're just like, we did everything right to get down into the red zone here and you guys just screwed us out of a possession and they get the ball to start the half. I think that you got to give a little bit of credit to the players at least for staying focused and being able to come out and play a good second half. Yeah. I want to give props to the offensive line because I thought they played a really good game. I know Arizona is not a great defense. That's an understatement. They are an awful defense, but they played well. Uh, I thought Mason Murphy did a good job. He had that one holding call. Obviously, it took away a touchdown. But um, And Travis Dye, another 100-yard game. He had to leap over the top, a little Marcus Allen kind of touchdown there like that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know if you can nitpick stuff on the offense, but I thought they did a, a really nice job. So they can kind of get tuned up the next couple of weeks uh, heading into the UCLA game. Are we just throwing out props? I just, I just wanted to throw props because I thought we're going to have to talk about the defense because there's not going to be as many props. Props to Bryson Shaw. Yeah, there you go. I like I that. I mean, a heck of a play. Maryland boy, shout out DMV with that Maryland twang that he has. Great talker. And a, as you mentioned, not the greatest night for the defense, but they made some plays and that was the biggest play that they made. Just, you know, getting an interception, stopping a promising drive for that Arizona State, Arizona, excuse me, Arizona offense, not Arizona State. And it was a momentum-changing play that let USC, you know, get a little tighter on that neck and, and grip them a little bit more and, and get uh, get further along in the game. So, you know, and that goes back to coaching. Bryson Shaw was like, Alex Grinch was hitting on hitting that play all week to me. Like, look for this, look for this, look for this, look for this. Saw the formation out on the field, knew what to do. Became instinct. You hit it all week in practice. Knows what's happening. Bam, he's in the right spot to make the play. So I know Alex Grinch get, still getting a lot of heat for the last two weeks and, and that defense, but you know that goes back to coaching, and he put him in position to make that play, and you know Bryson himself gave Grinch a lot of credit for, for setting him up for success in that moment. 
Yeah, seven tackles, a tackle for loss, and that big interception. He was also, I thought the D, the DBs themselves did a little bit better tackling, and he kind of was a, a catalyst for that. I remember seeing a couple times where he was the only guy in the area, and he brought the guy down within one or two yards, the opposing player, and I was like, that that didn't happen against Utah. So Bryson Shaw, a, a spark, and then you mentioned the twang. I had never heard him talk before since I don't think he's been media available since I since I got here and I was not expecting the southern accent I didn't know uh, a whole ton about the way Bryson's shot talked so when I went back to watch the post-game press conference it kind of like, surprised whoa. me he spoke at the uh the media day they did right. before the season um I think obviously we thought he was gonna have a bigger role but he had that torn quad in in summer in summer camp so he has been not healthy and he's finally healthy so I'm excited to see what that expanded role is going to look like for number 27 you know, maybe they'll use a little more dime against more, you know, wide receiver heavy offenses. So I think he's carving out a role for himself. He has experience, you know, was a starter at Ohio State for that Rose Bowl team. So he's got some talent, got some twang. So we'll see what that looks like in the, the final stretch of the, the season. Yeah, overall, I mean, defense, again, two weeks in a row, over 500 yards, not ideal. We know this was a very good uh, Arizona offense. Um, I thought... Jaden Delora played well. He would escape. And, you know, similar to what Caleb Williams can do, can just get away from pressure. And I thought he had, like, 400 yards rushing at some point. And he only had, like, 50-something. But he was he was making some, you know, making up third downs with his feet. Uh, you know, Singer was <laughs> catching. He had three touchdowns. Amazing. You know, that first catch, the one-handed touchdown was amazing. You know, good. I thought there was good uh, coverage on a lot of these plays. Um, but, you know, just in general... USC being out, you know, Eric Gentry and Raylan Goforth. So you mostly saw Shane Lee, who's not the best in coverage kind of things. And you're obviously going to do a lot of coverage when you're playing uh, the Wildcats. And to see Nomura, we didn't really see other people at the linebacker spot. We saw a lot of dime being played. And we saw guys like Nick Figueroa dropping back into coverage. So they were trying to do some different things. A little concerned. I don't know what you guys think about, like, we didn't see a Rajon Davis or we didn't see Chris Tom. We didn't see guys that could play that spot that you would think, you know, okay, this one's out. The next one comes in. Nope. They're going to, they're going to shuffle the defense. Just like, it's not like the next man up. It was more of like, okay, we're going to do something different. Um, which, you know, maybe a little concerning. I don't know if it's, you know, what, what the reasons would be, but if you don't feel confident enough that these guys can come in off the bench and contribute, they're going to try to figure something else out. But, you know, I thought the, the secondary played pretty good. Their coverage was good. But, man, there were some really great plays by Arizona's wide receiver core. And uh, and Jaden Delora, you know, he's had he had some screw-ups, but he also had, you know, some really great plays too. But I don't know. What did you guys think about the defense and, the, and just kind of the way the rotation was or lack thereof and, and what you saw? It wasn't great. Let's just be up front. It wasn't great. Yeah. But I will say that Jaden Delora really – exacerbated a lot of the issues they were having because there were times where they had him to dead to rights yeah. and he made a play and he extended it and he rolled out and he found a busted coverage or he found a, re a receiver that got caught looking in the backfield was moving up and you know hit him down the field so when you play a quarterback like that that's why scrambling quarterbacks in college football work so well they can create uh something special out of chaos or things going bad that's why you should recruit scrambling quarterbacks for what we saw on the field on Saturday night. Two scrambling quarterbacks, two dual threats going at it. And, you know, USC did get him on the ground a couple times, but there was like at least four times where they had him and they just could not get him down. And I mentioned this on the podcast as well. USC 
uh, left two picks on the field. You know, Caleb Bullock had that diving interception. He said it was like a weird angle, so it was really hard, but he, ha- he had the opportunity. And then Jacoby Covington probably is coming down with one, but he collides with Caleb Bullock. And, you know, it was an incomplete pass, but that's probably a turnover if they don't collide. So we could be looking at a USC defense with three picks at the end of the night that just were a little bit off. And, you know, Jane Delora, as I mentioned, that scrambling ability really made them pay. Grinch has mentioned this. Even when you do everything right for the defense, you all do your assignment. A guy who can move will make you pay and will make things go bad for you. And he will make you pay for doing things right. So that's kind of what the case has been with these scrambling quarterbacks that they've they've faced. So I thought the pressure was much better, but Chaney was just so good at getting out of it. You know, they did have a couple of really nice sacks. Nick Nick Figueroa, Shane Lee one-handed, he said, you know, I just grabbed onto him and just held on tight. Yeah. That's, that's how he did it. So Grab a body part and don't let go. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, hang on for dear life. So, you know, Jaden really was the the focal point for making everything look so bad for that defense. And really talented wide receiver, Cole, that was a, core. That was a really bad matchup, if you will. But I thought they did get pressure on him. They did make him move. But he was just too good to to bring down on the, that first contact or that first no attempt. Yeah. Yeah. And there were a lot of yards allowed, but for a decent stretch of the game, I thought the USC defense did a good job not allowing points where they were forcing uh, either uh, mistakes from Jaden Delora or field goal attempts. And then I think it, the turning point was you had the Bryson Shaw interception, but then USC scores on one play, onside kicks, doesn't recover. And now you've got the USC defense after like a play going right back onto the field, having to defend on a shorter field than normal. And after that, it, with Arizona was just kind of able to move the ball very well. But as I tweeted out, you know, it's hard to defend one hit catches uh, from these crazy wide receivers. Dorian Singer, who was supposed to be, you know, the third best guy, ends up having the biggest day. T Mac had a great catch down the sideline. Uh, of course, Jacob Cowing was hard to hard to guard at times, but I thought the USC defense obviously did not have a good have a good game, but I thought they did okay at limiting points for uh, for a stretch there, and then also. It's just hard sometimes to defend these great wide receivers. I thought Makai Blackman, uh, Sierra Wright, some of these other corners had some good plays, but eventually we knew that these Arizona wide receivers were going to win some battles. I didn't expect it to be the one-hand catch variety diving in the end zone all the time, but uh, I thought that the the defense, while it wasn't a great performance, there were definitely some positives with Bryson Shaw and uh, Tui Tui Plotu had some pressure. He forced a holding call on what might have been a sack. Solomon Bird chasing down Jaden Delora at the sticks despite another hold missed on him. So I thought that the defense had some had some better plays than in, than against Utah, uh, but also wasn't the best day. Obviously, allowing over 500 yards again. And I think this episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, 
There's joy in every journey. What we know about this defense is it's they're going to give up yards. Um, you just have to force negative plays. You know, you get a couple turnovers, you get five sacks, like you're killing drives along the way. And then the drives you don't kill, the opponent's probably scoring. But you got to kill those drives somehow. They're not coming up with three and out stops a lot. Like you're just not seeing that. Um, you got to get some more negative plays. So you get a couple, what, two sacks in this one, I think, a couple sacks? Yeah, it was two. Um, you get the one interception, you know, and that was enough. You just didn't get that against Utah, right? Like you weren't able to get those um, those kind of stops. So you got to do you got to do a little bit more of that. So if you're going to give up uh, big plays, that's fine. Like, it's you know, you know your offense can score. Like, I don't think it hurts you that much as long as you're forcing the negative plays. So keep doing that, and I think the defense will be fine. And you said it earlier that you were fine with the onside kick. I didn't like the call. You didn't? Okay. I, I, I thought I was kind of what, what – yeah, sorry, Lincoln. Bold of you to go against my my, uh, my choices. He's right here. Yeah. It might I, limit I, your media availability just, this week. You get, <laughs> Practice close. Yeah. You get two huge plays and two consecutive plays. You get the pick. You make them pay next play with a touchdown, and you're rolling. You know, just to give them some life back was – I know if you if you get it, you know, we're talking about how ballsy, gutsy play, and USC probably marches down the field, scores, steps on their neck, and that game is probably over. But it's they get over, it. Yeah. But they get it, and it's homecoming, and you just give them some life. You're like, oh, okay, that is kind of a that feels like a shift right back to them because you had all the momentum and you just gave it right back, especially with the offense that was moving the ball and great wide receivers, and you were struggling to bring down Jaden. I'm pushing him back. I'm giving him more yards to go. I'm giving him more of an opportunity to make a mistake down the field. So, you know, I would not have done that, but I'm also not a head coach. I'm not a power power five head coach or anything like that. But I am one for one in my career onside kick attempts. I will throw that Nice. Very but cool. But I wouldn't have done it. I would have just kicked it off, make him touch back, make him drive longer. You give it to him right, in the, like right there in the middle and give him – well, they were kicking from the fifty, right? They they got the the penalty, so it was like right. the yeah. So you had, I, I'd like to do something weird there, like if it's maybe a little pooched, it's like twenty yards. You try to run under or something. Or, he said they just didn't get. It's hard on turf. Yeah, because he so said he, maybe, thought, he thought Dennis kicked it good. They just didn't get the bounce. Yeah, and it's harder on turf, which is another reason for me. Like, I don't like turf onside kicks, so I'm just gonna not not do it. Yeah. If, like, so if you're just, super confident in your ability to do it, you've it worked in practice a bunch of times, like, I don't have an issue with it, but... Defend yourself, Lincoln. Yeah. Well, I, I will say thank you for for understanding that you are not a, or a Power 5 head coach. That being said, I, I wanted to at least extend an offer to you. Uh, Caleb mentions all the time, you know, just how much your swim coaching uh, <laughs> helps him be one of the best quarterbacks in the nation. So Ooh, I'd like yeah. to personally offer you a position as our quarterback swim coach starting next season. Uh, if, if you want to, you can come meet me in my office, do a formal interview. But I think we would have a spot for you uh, on this coaching staff. But yeah, the, the onside... Sorry, them out. <laughs> <laughs> the onside kick... Uh, I, I think, I don't know, I'm impartial on the decision. Of course, they had all the momentum. Boo, you can take a stand. Fine. You can argue it either way. I think it makes sense, um, especially with what happened at the end of half. I think USC felt like they could really just step on the necks of Arizona. And, you, of course, you yeah, if you don't get it, you're giving Arizona some momentum. But with the field position, with the, the two big plays in a row, the Bryson Shaw interception and the deep touchdown to Taj Washington, you could really win the game right there. So I, I was fine with the decision. It didn't work out, and that's 
not great, but I think you'd see a lot more USC fans saying, oh, look at look at Lincoln Riley making that decision to onside kick. Like, look at USC. They've got all the momentum now. So I think it's one of those decisions where it sounds good in the moment. Of course, when it doesn't work out, you're going to have people saying they don't like it, but I personally was Yeah, like Oregon it. did it against UCLA in a game you could tell early on that was going to just be, all they were doing is trying to steal a possession, and they saw something on film, and it worked, you know? Maybe if it, you're kicking for the 50, the other team's on the alert. You know, if you're just kicking regular, maybe they wouldn't be on the alert for an onside kick. You know, something like that. I don't know. But is the chat chiming in? I'm interested to see what they're we'll saying. See we've got, I uh, think most people like uh, or agreeing with you. I think most people don't like the onside kick call. I think just from me glancing. Yeah, we've got a couple. Well, that's just like hindsight. You know, I, I want to find the person that was like. I, even though he did it, even though it happened that way, I, I'm still okay. I'm with trying not to think of the results, you know. Like, yeah, I, I, I mean, here's the way I look at it: like, is, what if Dan Lanning? What if that didn't work and UCLA scores? Like, but that's Dan what it is with is a, Dan Lanning an idiot, or were they, like he was brilliant because that was a great onside kick, and they they like take a two touchdown lead instead. You know, that's what onside kicks are: either you're a dope or you're <laughs> really that's the only that's the only way it happens. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a you win big or you lose big. That that's it. That's all it is with onside kicks. And not I got to a fuzzy wig in my mouth. Okay. <laughs> not to be not to be rude to my personal friend and colleague Alex Grinch, but at at that point in the game, sitting there watching on the TV, or Chris, you there in person, did it really feel like USC was going to get a stop and and not allow points, no matter where Arizona started with the ball? Like they could have started with the ball on their own ten yard line, and I think it would have, you know, a lot of drives were going to end in a touchdown. That just kind of felt like the way the game was going to go. Of course, think, it makes it like easier. The there wasn't as much risk because you're starting from midfield, and Arizona's probably going to score anyway so but my, like start at the 20 versus the 35 i don't know if it's but bad. my counterpoint is this offense is kind of the one of those off uh, sorry this defense is a defense that kind of feeds off that you know they just got a pick for their offense the offense just scored in one play they're like all right we get this ball back they're gonna put it down they're gonna step on their throats and it's done let's get this ball back let's get them out let's force the punt let's let's really put them in the grind I would argue that they're going to come out even more intense than we've seen them. But now they're coming out at midfield. And they're like, Ugh, we've been struggling all night to do this. And now they just cut their field in half. That's how I'm looking at it. Yeah. No, I think it makes sense. And then the game gets a lot, a lot closer than you would expect. And USC at the end has to convert on a fourth and one Caleb Williams run. After the Bryce and Sean reception and the touchdown, it kind of felt, and I saw a lot of people on Twitter saying, oh, USC is going to run away with this one. Then the onside kick happens, a couple quick touchdowns for Arizona. USC has a rare three and out. Uh, it was really weird. The last thing, before, kind of before we get to calls and questions, there were a couple things where I thought that USC separated themselves, and that was on third down and in the red zone, where we thought the game was going to come down to. USC scored five touchdowns on five red zone trips and limited Arizona to only three touchdowns on five red zone trips. And I wrote it down here. I'm trying to find the stats now. USC was two of two on fourth down and 11 of 17 on third down, whereas Arizona one for two on fourth down, six for 13 on third down. So that's kind of where the game separated itself. It only ended up being an eight-point game, which, Ryan, I know got you another spread win, but... They ended up being 11. a lot closer game, and, and when and when it's an eight point game, you got to look at the red zone and you got to look at third down. Yeah, 11, uh, 11 third down conversions. I think that's like a record or something, or it's like it was. A, I, I looked up Pac twelve stats. I mean, that's a lot of third down conversions. So and two on fourth down. So pretty impressive. Uh, yeah, and uh, you know, I thought this would just be closer. Knew some guys were going to be out. That's why I thought that Arizona would cover, uh, and they did. But it could have. It could have gone the other way for sure. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I, I don't think this is a win. If you're a USC fan and you're upset, you're like, you know, you got a good win on the road. 
It's not easy to win. It's not like Arizona rolled over and died. They're a much better team than the 111 squad they were last year. Um, so, yeah, you go in there, you get a win. Could have been more comfortable than it was, but your quarterback has a record performance. You got to, you know, you're home for the rest of the way now. I, I you know, I, I just say, like, hey, you could do what you need to do. You're 7 1, heading home, and uh, you got a long homestand, homecoming, all that stuff, and then some rivalry games. And uh, you can really make a special run in November. You know, Pete Carroll made his, he made hay by not losing in November. And if USC doesn't lose in November, they're 11 1 on this season. And you're looking at it like, oh, is it, they give up 500 something yards to Arizona. Like, no, you don't care at that point. You're 11 1. So, Kind of on schedule for that. That's what you want to look at. Hey, hey. Yeah. So let's get some questions. Yeah. There's one thing I want to outline, which is before okay. we get there, we talk a lot about the Pac-12 refs screwing over USC, which has happened a lot in the past couple of weeks. I think that USC very much caught a break on that one call against Caleb Williams on the sideline. I don't know where you were for that one, Chris, but it looked like a, maybe a, a tiny late bump out of bounds on a third down where USC was going to have to kick a field goal and give it back to Arizona in a chance where if Arizona scores a touchdown, they're in the lead. So uh, I, I don't want everyone to think that we are very one-sided and the Pac-12 refs are clearly not one-sided as they definitely, uh, I think, made it a lot harder for Arizona to complete a comeback that they were trying to make. And that was a call that I, I haven't seen the replay of yet since yesterday, but um, something that I tweeted out immediately, like, you know, Arizona fans, we're, we've talked a lot about the officiating one way the last couple of weeks. It's just another time where the Pac-12 refs made an impact on a game in a bad way for the other school this time. I was on the opposite side. I didn't really see what was going on. Yeah. And I heard someone say, like, they're calling that. Yeah. So that was kind of my inclination. That's It was not a very good call. I don't remember them putting it up on the board because I would have watched it. Um but, you know, maybe it's a, like a uh, makeup call. And it's, people are saying makeup call. I'm like, they would have to be competent enough to understand what they did wrong and then be competent enough to, like, you know, execute a makeup call. I just don't think they are. It was a terrible call. And for USC fans, it was the same sort of feeling. USC's offense was just rolling, right? Arizona couldn't get a stop. The one time you get a stop, like, you know, two weeks ago in Utah, they get a stop. They get an interception in the end zone, and you get it wiped away from a penalty. Arizona finally gets a stop. USC's going to have to kick a field goal in the red zone. Nope, first and ten, and they get a touchdown the very next play. Like, it had a very similar feeling to, like, you you essentially took, you know, gave points to the other team. Like, the officials shouldn't have, you know, USC shouldn't have got a touchdown. They should have got a field goal or a field goal attempt, and they had already missed two field goals. So, yeah, it was it was a very similar feeling to what USC fans were experiencing on the Utah game, where you you it's hard to get a stop, you finally get one, and the refs take it away. It's always when you get a stop. Yeah, it's never <laughs> it's never like when U.S. or Arizona's roughing the passer call earlier, where I believe it was Hunter Eccles just leveled Caleb Williams as he's throwing the ball and it's a touchdown. It's never when it's that really. It's always <laughs> when you get a massive stop or an interception or something great happens for the defense. It's never when you give up a touchdown. Yeah. Real quick, did Hunter Eccles do anything in this? Because he was, I know he was chirping, you were like tweeting at out. the final tackle. He had the final tackle. After Caleb I Williams believe he had two already. tackles. Okay. And a roughing the passer. I believe that was him on the roughing the passer. Okay. I think that's about right, which that was a tremendous play by Caleb Williams. You're not going to see someone stand in the pocket more firm than, than that all season. He took a, he took a shot and kind of delivered it right to where Taj Washington was. That was, in my opinion, probably his best play of the night. You yeah. probably saw it on the the broadcasts, if you watch the game, but after he picks up the first down to seal it, after they get the onside kick, Caleb's going crazy 
like yelling and screaming <laughs> and like yeah maybe like a little macho man, a little macho man. Yeah. and it was it directed i believe at hunter eccles who made the tackle on him right and who was drawing with at the team twice in pregame so yeah that had to feel very good to not only seal it yourself but the guy who was talking trash all night to you has to tackle you to and you know it's over. I almost put my prediction that Hunter Eccles was going to get like a tackle for loss or something. And I was like, nah, I'm not going to do that. But I'm glad I didn't because he didn't do much. Yeah, let's get to some live callers. We'll start it off with Nick from Virginia. Oh, the BA. Nick, you're on Tunnel Vision. Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call. Um, I had a question for you guys. Ryan, you've alluded to this before. Um, that USC has the best road win in the Pac-12, which I agree. Obviously, it'd be Oregon State. But I would also argue that USC has the best loss, maybe in the country, a game in which they chose for only, I think, 48 seconds. And then secondly, obviously, the AP poll came out today, which is essentially irrelevant starting on Tuesday. I'm curious, what do you guys think USC is going to be ranked when the college football committee meets on Tuesday and announces their first um, rankings for the season. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks for the call. Um, yeah, like uh, Utah just got a road win at Washington State. That's what Oregon also has. Um, but still, I think the Oregon State road wins the best. And it's you could definitely argue that USC's road loss is, the you know, that's the best loss. It's a one-point loss, like you said, under a minute trailing in the game. Um, you know, it, I think the resumes and you know, it's weird. Um, look at it, what Oregon's resume is like, they look really good right now, but I think when the committee's going to come down to it, like you got absolutely pasted by Georgia. Like, I don't, I don't know if you're going to put it back in there. So there's a lot of weird stuff can happen. Um, but I think USC is in a better spot than Oregon. It's like, you know, you can control, I think you control your own destiny more than Oregon does. Uh, USC would need less help, I think, than, than Oregon ducks. If they if both, if either team won out, I think USC would probably need less help. And I feel like the, Playoff rankings are going to be sort of chalky. They might have like Tennessee number one just because they're going to look at the resume. I think that's probably the case. But USC's probably in that nine range, I would think. This is newfound territory for us because we usually don't give a crap about the college football playoff rankings because they're very. Chris has his like content schedule. It's like never had to write about where USC was in the college football. Uh, maybe I'll watch it. But <laughs> this time, you know, there is some relevancy and it's going to be interesting where they rank them. I feel like they're going to be, as Ryan said, in that kind of 9 12 range. That's where I feel like they might, they yeah. might fall. I, I don't, I mean, the people behind them right now are Utah and UCLA. And I think there's one more team um, between that 10, 11, 12. I, I don't see them jumping Utah or, or UCLA over. USC, of course, Utah has the win over, or UCLA has the win over Utah, and Utah has the win over UCLA. But again, both those teams' losses, I think, are worse. So I would assume that USC might stay exactly at nine. I think Tennessee should be one in the AP, and I, I assume that they go to one uh, because they've got that resume. USC also has, if you call it the best road win, it is now also a ranked win as, as Oregon State has come into the rankings, which at prior USC didn't have a top 25 win. So I think it'll be interesting I don't think they're going to have quite the resume that some teams will, even if they go 11-1 and one and win the Pac-12 championship, they will need some help. But I don't think that they're going to get punished for that right now. Like, I still think they come in nine in the, in the CFP. Yeah, and uh, look at the, you look at those top four teams, the ones that are, what, in the AP poll, it's like 
8, 9, 10, 12 or whatever. Like that's where the four Pac-12 teams are, USC, UCLA, Oregon, and uh, and Utah. They are, I think Wilner tweeted this out, they are 15-0 and 0 against the remaining Pac-12. So uh, those four teams, and that's what you want. Like you want those four teams. You have four teams in the, Pac- in the Pac-12 that are in the top 12 of the AP poll. That's great, you know. Um, so you have that. Will any of those four lose to one of the other teams? Oregon State, like Oregon has to go to Oregon State. There's some, you know, there's some tough games in there. Of course, you're going to have them play each other. Utah goes to Oregon. USC plays UCLA. So they'll be Same some, weekend. Yeah, crazy, crazy stuff. Yeah, you've got, I think that's, uh, there's a couple of matchups too in outside of the Pac-12 as well. You're going to have to have this week Tennessee and Georgia. So some team's going to lose there. Some team's going to lose between Ohio State and Michigan. So I think USC, they're going to need some help. But as long as, as, like, as we mentioned last week, as long as they control their own destiny, win the games that they need to, they'll put themselves in a good position. Let's go to Thomas from Malibu. Hi, Thomas. You're on Tunnel Vision. Hey, guys. First of all, great show. Uh, it's been a wonderful year. I wanted to call because I was too afraid to uh, put this on the P because of all the coaching geniuses that we have on there. So I thought I'd just call in. Uh, and I want Ryan and to please let me know. Maybe I'm mistaken. I, I thought we were 4-8 and eight last year. I thought we spent the summer talking about how in the world are we going to stop anyone. To hear people at 7-1 and one with one loss in the final seconds at Utah if you would have told me this a year ago, I everyone would have been ecstatic. So to Lincoln Riley, to Alex Grinch, to everyone, keep recruiting, to Carol Fall, to Mike Bone, and more importantly, Rick Caruso, who wrote the check, thank you for bringing Lincoln Riley here. Guys, we could be 11-1 and one after Thanksgiving. Could you imagine that? We could possibly be 11-1. and one. Absolutely amazing. Keep up the good show, gentlemen. Thank you so much, and fight on. Thanks, Thomas and the Boo. I like, Malibu. I like that guy. I do. He needs and to call more. I pretty much said what Thomas said. Maybe he didn't hear at the beginning of the show. I pretty much said the same thing. Uh, but yeah, you're 100% right that, you know, it, I think you're so used to being able, you, you USC fans wanted to be really good. Um, this is a market, I mean, it's a huge improvement over last year. It's, uh, you know, it's not just the four and eight. It's just look at this team and see what's going on. There's not blowout losses. Um, I mean, it was like you said, like a one point loss. The team has flaws. I've been saying that from the beginning. It's they're not going to take a take over a, a bad team with bad chemistry and fix everything right away. But he fixed a lot of stuff. And what I've been saying for a long is like it's not good enough to like win the national championship. This team's not going to be good enough. They could squeak into the college football playoff and and not you know probably not be competitive. Whatever, but like that's pretty. That's a huge jump. That's pretty impressive. But they are good enough to win the conference. You know, I think Oregon's looking really good right now. UCLA, man, they their their defense. I mean, it's not good, but the offense, man, is special. Um, you know, they can run it down your throats. So I think there's some really good competition at the top of the league. But still, USC is good enough to score a bunch of points on all those guys. So yeah, I think you know you got to look back at what it was like last year. You hired a great coach. You recruited a bunch of good guys. You transferred in a bunch of good guys. And it's a pretty, you know, special team. It's a fun team to watch. Like, just, you have fun with it. Have fun watching this team. And uh, they're winning a bunch of games. So, yeah, I mean, the worst they're going to do this year is like 9-3. and three. Like, that's the, the if the if the bottom falls out, they're going to go 9-3. and three. And probably 10-2 and two and potentially 11-1. and one. So, like, yeah, that's, that's pretty special. If you want to feel better, just think of the dark times. Yeah. 
which was a think year of, ago. Think of that Rose Bowl loss a couple years ago. I mean, go back and watch Stanford running all over USC. Go watch Oregon State. Go watch Cam Rising like celebrating on the on the Coliseum field, FaceTiming his mom. Um, yeah, I mean, all the stuff that was going on. The, they lost the cow. Like all those things. Like look at that and uh, and go back and go. Yeah, this is a lot different. This is very very different. Remember the UCLA fans chanting "Extend Clay Helton." Yes, UCLA scoring <laughs> 60, that. sixty points or Remember whatever that. it was. Yeah. Remember all that stuff and go, yeah, things are pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and even if USC goes 11-1 and one and doesn't make the college football playoff, I think fans would take a Rose Bowl appearance after not appearing in a bowl the last two seasons. I have a feeling that they, that they would be okay with that. Uh, we've got a couple more calls. Let's go to Dave from Iowa. Hi, Dave. You're on Tunnel Vision. Hi, guys. First of all, great win yesterday. Uh, it was finally great to see the depth offensively and just take advantage of, um, you know, a less talented Arizona team. I got two questions. Uh, Ryan, in terms of the Pac-12 refs, now I, now I understand we're going to be leaving in two years, but how come the Pac-12 commissioner didn't just, you know, cherry pick off the, you know, the, the, the best ref, the best refs uh, in the SEC in the Big Ten and just have them ref our games. How, how, how come he didn't do that? And second, guys, I, I, I know we're all happy, but it, it really disappoints me when JT Tumalau, a five-star defensive end from, uh, against Penn State, just demolishes them. Two, ta- two, ta- sorry, two sacks, two interceptions, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and a touchdown on Saturday, and Corey Foreman's nowhere to be seen. You know, right now he's looking more like a liability than an asset. What are we going to do? Thanks, Dave, for the question. Uh, yeah, I think um, like Wilner had written about the the officiating. There's not really like a um, uh, like a farm system. Um, a lot of other schools, like you, you work with like if the SEC works with the Sun Belt or something, where you sort of bring up the best officials from the lower conference and then bring them into your conference. I think the Big Twelve and the Mountain West might have some kind of agreement. Um, the, the, it's a, I think it's a broken system, um, and they they needed to fix it for a long time. I think Klyovkov, when he came in, I like some of the moves he made, but I remember you know asking him about the the officiating. He sort of was like, he admitted a lot of issues with the conference and didn't really admit that one. So maybe it just wasn't really on top of mind. I think now he's seeing it. Uh, you're seeing a lot more, um, but they they definitely have a problem. So it's not just. They don't have a system in place where they could go out and hire better officials. I think that's part of the part of the deal. They've they've screwed it up for so long that they've fixed some things and things got better for a little while, but it's not it's not better and uh, it it needs work. But and to your JCT, second point, I thought I thought his question or his comment was going to be that missing out on JTT and not a Corey Foreman uh, diatribe about that. But you you should be pissed as a USC fan that a kid like JTT is not at USC because that is a kid that USC should never lose to a West coast kid, a kid who grew up, grew up a USC fan who that was his dream school growing up. He has connections to there. His family's from the region. That is a kid that USC should not lose out, but because of the way the program was, we just talked about it. Remember the dark times. That is a kid that USC should not lose to. That's what you should be more mad about. I think is that a kid like that, is at Ohio State or is going to an Alabama or going to a Tennessee or wherever. Those are the kids that Lincoln Riley is going to stop them from taking right. in the future. That's what I think you should be more – That that is what I think the point should be. Not about Corey Foreman. You could have all the talent in the world. 
But once you get on the field, once the coaching gets to you, you got to go out and do it. So I think that that is shouldn't be part of it. I think it's more should have gotten JGT. Yeah, and I think just feel good that you have a coach now that's going to give you the best shot possible of keeping the best talent on the West Coast here. And uh, you didn't have a coach before that was able to do that. Now you do. And, uh, you know, that could be bad news for the Ohio States and the Texases and the Georgias and all that. You know, you saw that with that tight end, the Georgia tight end from the, was he from Napa Valley or some crap like that? Like the Brock Bowers. Brock, I mean, in some ways, like six, seven, 500 pounds and just make bouncing catches all over the place. Yeah, like you, you want those guys on the West Coast. You want them to stay home and go to USC. So you now have a head coach. We have him right here with us that uh, he can do that. So you should feel happy about that. Yeah, I'll say we'll, we'll try our best to, to hit on all those prospects in California. We got one more caller. Let's go to Curtis from Moreno Valley. Hey, Curtis, you're on Tunnel Vision. Hey, guys. How's everybody? Um, the last game just showed, and that was a good offense we were against. The quarterback was amazing. We got to start using a spy, maybe with a DB right now while our defense is hurt like this. On every down, this guy was too dangerous. He ran all over us. We can't let the, I mean, well, anyway, against the best teams, it's going to come down to our offense running the ball to work the clock or running slower drives to, to kill the clock so the other team can't have it. That's the only way we'll be able to beat the better teams. But I think we have a puncher's chance against anybody. Thanks, Curtis. I just drove through Moreno Valley, by the way, coming back from uh, the desert. So I always think I think of you when I drive through Moreno Valley. Um, he's a uh, regular caller on our uh, po- podcast shows. Um, yeah, USC has utilized a spy uh, before. I think maybe with some of the injuries now, we haven't seen that as much. But I think Shotgun was kind of talking about that at some point, too. I forget who was spying some of the time. But I think it was Eric Gentry. For it might have been Gentry. Yeah, so Gentry not there. It helps that you're most athletic. Yeah. Linebacker was out, so it doesn't help. Yeah. Well, there doesn't was help. that's what I meant. Yes. yes, there was an athletic linebacker that we talked to this week that said he was told to practice like a starter, and we went the entire week thinking that we were going to see Rajon Davis on the field. And I don't know the exact snap count and think Shotgun will get it to us, but I don't remember seeing him once. That was one thing I was really surprised by because when we talked with him, when we talked with some of the coaches, it sounded like Rajon Davis was going to play, and then he ended up, I don't think, getting a single snap. So that was one thing I was surprised by. And people mentioned it in the Utah game it was like his skill set is supposed to be uber athlete can can play in coverage maybe could have helped out with dalton kincaid maybe could have helped out spying cam rising or Jaden delora yesterday i was really surprised not to see rajon davis especially after you know the way he spoke this week the way coaches spoke about him this week that was honestly one thing that shocked me if there was a, a takeaway from the defense player wise substitution wise that was one thing i was really surprised by not to get too meta but isn't that your decision well you know i don't want to I don't want to make the defensive decisions. I already make all the offensive decisions. Yeah. I don't want to be a, a pure dictator, but I do remember my comments this week about Rajon Davis uh, on the cusp of getting some big playing time. I think that's a, exactly what I said. And yeah, I, I guess I was a little bit surprised to see he wasn't put out there, even though I'm the head coach. I wonder if it had anything to do with them playing a lot of dime and you essentially only have one linebacker because you're taking off one for an extra safety. Yeah. So would they want 
the only linebacker out there to be a young guy with no career starts and not a lot isn't wet behind the ears, you know, and they, and they go with the veteran and Shane Lee. Maybe that had something to do with it. That's well, I think me. I think the decision to go to Dime had to do with the fact that maybe they didn't want a, a guy like Rajon Davis on the field because they were down to so many or to so few linebackers. I think that's why they ended up going with Diamond. I don't remember who it was. Maybe it was Max Williams or Bryson Shaw after the game saying that they planned all week that they were going to use that Dime package a lot, which then makes it seem like Rajon Davis wasn't going to play for a lot of the week, which I don't know. It, it was definitely just surprising to me, especially with the way that uh, he was he was spoken about this week and the way he spoke to us after practice. And I think, you know, USC's faced some dynamic quarterbacks, like how many weeks in a row, right? Well, now you're not going to. Like, no. Uh, Cal just played uh, Kai Milner, like, in the fourth quarter. He actually looked a lot better than uh, Jack Plummer, the the Purdue transfer for the Golden Bears. And then Colorado's been a mess, but they've they've tried three different quarterbacks, but I think they've gone to the young guy. Was it um I forgot Stroud or whatever? But the I think you're not gonna see the kind of like dynamic playmaking quarterbacks that you've seen uh, over the last several weeks. So maybe you do see, maybe they'll trust uh, a guy like Davis more. And I don't know, we'll see. But it, it could have been the dime thing. Um, but I thought we would see more of those guys and we just haven't. But this might be you know, now you're gonna face two offenses that aren't very like Cal scored 49 against Arizona for some reason, and then they've just been awful pretty much the rest of the way. Um, so I think they scored 24 against uh, Oregon yesterday, but I think two of them, like it was like Milner, Milner in the uh, fourth quarter got a couple touchdowns, but they just, they weren't very good on offense. I keep and, thinking you're saying Wilner. No, yeah. Milner. It's, it's Kai Milner, right? I think, uh, I forget his name, but whatever. That's I'm, a, no, I'm just saying, I'm, yeah. I, I'm hearing Wilner. He's like the younger, whatever, they put him in the fourth quarter. Uh, but Colorado's bad, obviously. So, yeah, I think you can try some different stuff on defense the next two weeks, potentially. And you can get your confidence back. Yes. But you got it. I mean, USC's going to have to be ready to defend a mobile quarterback again if they want to make it all, you know, all the way through the Pac-12 championship game. they got to first start by beating DTR and UCLA. And most likely, if you match up in the Pac-12 championship game with Oregon, I mean, Bo Nix is a guy who who has been running the ball very well for Oregon this year. So it's something that's been an Achilles heel for USC so far. And uh, something that, you know, on the practice field, we got to start figuring out. And you know, I got to take some responsibility that, that the guys weren't prepared to stop a mobile quarterback. But yeah. I assure you, you know, we're going to keep working at it in the future. It's Let's, Kai Milner. Yeah. Kai Milner. Milner. Sorry. We can go rapid fire through some questions to yes. wrap this one up. Uh, so we've got this one. Question Do y'all think the offense should be adjusted to feature the running game primarily? And I'll match that one up uh, with a, another question where someone asks, Do you think that? They need to rely on the running game even more to keep the defense off the field and play more of a possession game as opposed to we're going to try and go score 50 points with Caleb Williams in our passing offense kind of game. I think offense is too good to mess it up. Like, do do your offense. Your offense is go fast, throw the ball over the field, run when you want to, score a bunch of points. Like, I don't think you got to change it to try to, like, help the defense. I think if the offense was struggling and you're just going three and out really quick, that's one thing. So run the ball three times instead and like take some clock. Yeah, just adjust accordingly. And it seemed like that they did that. You know, let's keep the ball out of Dolores' hands. And, oh, we suddenly just remembered that this run defense is one of the worst in the country. So let's uh, yeah. let's run the, you know, leading Pac-12 rusher uh, down their throat. And it was Cortland Ford came in and they started running the ball more too. Um, I, I've noticed that before. We've talked about that. But I don't think you want to handcuff the offense at all. Don't say, well, you got to run the ball. I know Curtis like said that too. No, the offense is great. Let the offense be great. Defense, figure it out. You know, like, yeah. You, you do what you want to situationally, but don't don't handcuff the offense because you want it to be um, something else. So. 
Yeah, another question from Big T37 on YouTube. He says, did it feel like the passing game was more fluid with Caleb not zeroing in on just Addison and Mario Williams? I think it was more fluid because he wasn't getting chased all over the place. I think that's a good point. I think that, you know, usually he's looking at those first reads, which are Mario and Ad Jordan. So now when everyone seems like anyone could be the first read. So I think it's more so, you know, I, I got all these different guys to spread the ball around. It did seem to... Uh, be more fluid in that in that sense. But I think he got to set his feet more. Like, mm -hmm. he just wasn't being chased. Mm -hmm. So Yeah, that helps with facing a very bad pass rush. Yeah. Uh, and a very bad pass defense in general. But, yeah, I think <laughs> what you said about the offensive line earlier is a good point. First of all, no, no sacks allowed for USC, which I don't know how many times that's happened this season, but feels like the first time in a while the offensive line had been having some issues, and including some injuries uh, to guys like Andrew Voorhees this week and Bobby Haskins mid-game that they held up really well. And then also, Caleb Williams has those highlights every week where he's evading tackles or tackles and sacks. Really didn't seem like there were that many this week, not because he wasn't doing it, but because he didn't need to. So I think it, you know maybe there's something there about the fact that Caleb, when he needs to uplift his receivers, he's not working with you know all-conference guys at receiver. Maybe there's a little, little more thought into it. They started it off really easy with some dink and dunk passes to get everyone ready. Uh, and the wide receivers played really well, but I think most of it was the fact he wasn't on the run all the time and the pass defense. There were a lot of open receivers. Uh, there was a couple other questions. Uh, Andrew asks on YouTube, which game will SC be back to full health by? I think you want to target UCLA. Yeah, I think that's where you're circling. I mean, the way it's going, I think you could probably play some guys in the next two weeks that maybe you don't need to and maybe you just wait. You could sit Andrew for two weeks if you wanted. Yeah. Let Mason and Jonah get more more burn. Uh, if Bobby Haskins is down, let let Cortland take over that left spot, left tackle spot. You you you're accumulating more depth at the position. So you know, Cal's bad, Colorado's bad. Build that depth up. This is a chance for them to uh, get wet behind the ears and be ready for what may happen down the line and. Get those guys ready for the Bruins. Yeah, you want to get some backups in. They've not done a great job at getting the backups in later in the season. Try to get backups in these next two games. And Chris, you were there, but I think it was Justin Dietrich said that Mason Murphy is the most talented guy that they've got in the offensive line room. Uh, that was I was you know surprised to hear such high praise for for Mason, and they said that they've kind of known all along that he's a really talented guy. That he played pretty well. He had a one holding penalty that negated a long touchdown, but outside of that, I thought he played pretty well, and he might be a guy that you need to rely on to start next year. So possibly get him some experience now. Yeah, Dietrich isn't a BSer. That's a team captain, and he's going to tell like it is. So for him to say that, he means it. And you look at Mason when he came in, you know, he's a three-star prospect coming out of high school, uh, athletic. He looked like a guy who could play right away the first time I saw him. You know, legit six foot six, 310 pounds, had that really bad ankle injury for his freshman year and wasn't able to play, uh, wasn't able to get experience in those. I mean, there wasn't any blowout losses you know there wasn't any blowout wins but he wasn't able to get experience and this is sort of kind of his introduction and he's got all the talent in the world to be a guy that can play left tackle right tackle can even play interior so this is a guy that's going to be key for that first season in the big 10 so you want to get him all the experience that you can maybe he moves into a starters role next season and by the time the big 10 season rolls around he could be your guy at left or right or interior yeah 
Yeah, there's another question about injuries. How concerned are you that Jordan Addison does not play another college game again? I've seen that that opinion kind of circling around that he takes this injury as just a time to prepare for the NFL draft, thinking that, you know, had a Blitnikoff season, he had this season so far this year. I've seen some people thinking that he might just go the route of rehabbing with the injury and just going straight into the NFL draft, that he's possibly proved everything he needs to for the draft. Uh, so I guess I'll pass that on to you guys. Uh, from what I've heard, that is not the case. Yeah, I've not heard anything like that, and I like my sources. So I, I mean, I know that's a can be a popular like rumor to run with or, or thinking to run with, but I haven't heard any of that sort. And I think they just want to get him extra rest, and you want to get him. You need him for UCLA, and you know his. I guess his numbers are technically down, but you know, leading receiver for this team. Get him back against, you know, maybe Cal, maybe Colorado. Let him put up some numbers and get that rhythm back with Caleb for for the showdown in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, 100%. All right, someone asked a question. Jack, what do you grade out the DBs versus that talented wide receiver group of Arizona? I mentioned this earlier that I thought that they had even good coverage on the passes that didn't go their way with some great one-handed catches. That Makai Blackman did a good job in man-to-man coverage. Of course, can't see, you know, who was responsible for every big play. But I thought that... They pl- they played just about as well as you could against such a talented wide receiver group. There were plays where they, they really stood up. And Jaden Delora, as they mentioned in the broadcast, had a lot of incompletions. I think that was uh, due in large part to some of the defensive backs. Maybe we can end on this one from SC Neal on YouTube. Question, what do you think of the rumored mid-90s throwback uniforms for the homecoming game? Go ahead. Me? Yeah, I'm retweeting. Where did that rumor come from? So USC updated their profile picture on Twitter. I don't know about other social platforms, but it's a vintage-looking cartoon USC helmet. And so everyone now believes that, just like they believed yeah. black uniforms were coming earlier this year, that there's going to be th- some throwback uniforms. I don't know. Maybe another fake out? I don't know. Yeah, I haven't heard like anything. The I haven't Friday anything. like Colorado game maybe or something because it's already weird. But Has USC ever done like a throwback? Deal, they've think? gone like but it, like they're old uniforms but they haven't like yeah i don't know i'm not a big uniform guy like this stuff doesn't interest me that much but people really get into it as you're wearing a uniform i'm wearing yeah well it's a costume i wasn't gonna wear a costume you guys like you want to wear a costume like okay i'll wear a costume. guys pick your favorite costume who has the best costume we had Let's uh, know. our buddy anthony said this actually might be the greatest costume arrangement i've ever seen with us on there so Thank you, Anthony, for that. I haven't had no nip slip, so I'm proud That's of that. That's actually not true. Um, but <laughs> sorry to burst your bubble there. Oh yeah. Burst of that nipple bubble. I'm s i am apologize. But I'll Someone get apologize. the screen. And the problem is they get a screenshot too. Nobody get that screenshot. <laughs> Nobody comb through this for the nip slip. I don't need to be on TMZ. Chris is not wearing a shirt, is what he's saying. So that's what, yeah. Ten K nip slip. I don't need that. You're just assuming I haven't already like screenshotted right. it and gotten it ready Sent to it. circulate on Twitter tomorrow. Do you guys have, Do you guys have anything else that you guys want to touch on? I think that's all we've got for for comments. We've got no more callers in the queue. It's been a good Halloween episode. Yeah, I mean, it's been a while. I felt like we had like a month between games. It's been it's it's been a minute. It and, definitely uh, did feel like a while. It's good. You get a win. It's on the road. It's another weird thing after a bye week and all that. I feel like this is going to be a USC thing. Comes back home and then things start to to click. Like you're going to get to, you can get rolling against a Cal or a Colorado, and then like if it's like a nine and one USC and nine and one UCLA, like bam, that's going to be great. You know, that's going to be that's going to be awesome, and uh, that's where you want to get to. So you just got to take care of business. But I feel like road game, tough road game, get beat up. I mean, Utah 
Cam Rising didn't even play in uh, in Utah's game. Like Utah was pretty beat up too. So that was like you know the game of the year in the Pac-12. Uh, USC was beat up two weeks later. Utah was beat up two weeks later. You go on the road again, back to back, and and you get a win, even though it's not the prettiest thing in the world. And now you get to come home and sort of just be like, all right, we're not leaving LA for the rest of the the rest of the season until you get to Las Vegas, and that's the goal. So. Um, yeah, I think USC is a good spot. So USC fans, have fun with the season. It's good. I mean, it's way better than what you had last year. Have a good time with it. Enjoy the hell of our shows. We're going to do a lot of shows. USCfootball.com. Smash that like button. Subscribe. Tell your friends. Do it all. We're here for you guys. Chris, everyone likes Ryan's costume more than ours. Really? Yeah. That's I think fair. that means that you get to keep the bag of candy. All that tells me is that... Believe it or not. We have a we have a uh, age group that... Reflects Ryan's yes. age group. Well, people, this is, I mean, the show's from literally 1981, so before both of your times. Yeah. 10 years before I was born. Way before my time. Yeah. I think that, were yeah, I think that's what we've born? got. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm Lincoln Riley, so my parents were definitely born before that's that time. That's true, yes. Uh, well, yeah, I think that's all we've got for you guys. Ryan pretty much laid it all out. Thank you guys for watching our show. We'll be back on Thursday with Tunnel Vision and then also Sunday after the game against Cal. Uh, that's all we've got for you guys, though. We'll be at practice on Tuesday and Wednesday. Make sure you guys are looking at uscfootball.com for articles inside Troy right here on YouTube for more videos. That's all we've got for you guys. We'll see you on Thursday. Thanks for having. Thanks for hanging out with us, and have a very happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Oh, yeah. <laughs> CBS Tonight, TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. Used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale tonight, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.